be separate. Be separate. And we are finishing up our armor series, uh, and we are talking uh, about the fruits of the Spirit and the completion of those. All right, so I want you to open your Bibles with me and turn to Exodus chapter 33. starting with verse 18, Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. Moses is having a conversation with God in this, and he says this, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Okay, so real quick, just as a side note, if some of you guys have ever come to our church and you have questions about about why the power of God seems to show up and why people seem to have a reaction to that, this scripture is a good first basis for it. No one can see my face and live. The presence and power of God is so powerful that if he gave you the full weight of his glory, the full weight of his presence, your human body could not handle that much power exposed to it, okay? Like handling a nuclear blast. Like this is the God of all creation that when he speaks, the whole world was made. That's the amount of power in his presence. You can't handle that. So when his power comes on you, when his face comes on you, you may have an adverse reaction. Amen? Okay. But we're talking about his glory right now. And so Moses said, show me your glory. And this is how the Lord answered him. I will cause all my goodness, say goodness, to pass in front of you. So not his face, but his goodness. So Moses is asking for his glory, and God responds with the word goodness, to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name in your presence. And then he begins to define what that really means. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and compassion on who I have compassion. So he begins to say that part of my goodness is mercy and compassion. So the glory of God is the fullness of his nature. It is the fullness of his character. It is the glory of God is everything that we find out in the fruit of the Spirit. So in Galatians 5.22, we read the fruit of the Spirit that we've been going over. says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, uh, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Against such things there is no law. So we're going to talk today about goodness and kindness. Because I believe that the goodness of God is very overlooked. It is probably the most overlooked of the fruit. And the reason why it's overlooked is because we can define kindness. We can define self-control. Right? Do I need to preach a message on self-control? Get yourself under control. Message done. Right? Stop it. Also, good word, pastor. That was a good word. You guys can go now. Sermon's over, right? So when we get to self-control week, it'll just be, stop it. Yep, okay. And then you can go. Um, woohoo! I hope you guys don't think that way. Woohoo! It's short. You didn't learn nothing. Man, I tell you what. There is nothing worse to me. Side note, rabbit trail. There is nothing worse to me in the world than going ready to hear the word of God and to learn something and press in and have an experience. Make it all the way through worship and go, ah, I didn't really like, I didn't, feel, I didn't get mine. I didn't feel his presence. I didn't have that intimacy with him. And then be like, okay, but at least I'm going to learn about him. I'm going to hear a good word. And then the pastor just says like a bunch of fluffy stuff and I leave with nothing. 
with nothing, with like, yay, right? Come on, you got to praise him, right? Okay, cool. Come on, he's good today, right? Amen. And then you go and you're like, I got nothing. I grew not even an ounce. So I'm not into that. So I hope you guys come hungry to learn something, to dig in deeper, okay? Amen. So we're going to look at kindness and goodness, all right? And we know that, that, that um, th- there's a difference between kindness and goodness. Now, kindness is actually a powerful fruit that has the ability what, to be kind, right? To do nice things for people, right? It's, it's that doing things out of a sense of kindness. Now, we talked about doing things out of a grateful heart over the last series, right? So uh, when you do something nice for someone, how many of you guys know you can do it and do it and it's not out of kindness, right? You can do it out of obligation. You can do it out of guilt, it doesn't have to be done out of kindness. Kindness is an attitude of your heart, all right? It's, it's, a, it's a positioning of your heart to do something, right? Rather than, uh, like, you know, come on. I'm from California, so I'm so hardened to beggars on the street. I just really am. And I'm always like, oh, you got to have a soft heart. But I'm always asking the spirit, do I give to them, or are they just going to drink it away? So I'm, I'm really hard about that because in L.A., everybody, every corner, every single corner, right? And so I'm, I'm positioned uh, uh, through training for a lifetime is just look straight ahead. If I accidentally turn left and make eye contact, I'm like, oh, now I feel guilty. I made eye contact, right? They looked at me, sad puppy dog eyes, right? But it's not out of kindness that I'm feeling that. It's out of a guilt response, right? So there's no change in my chemistry. There's no change in my brain like we've been talking about over the last couple weeks because I'm doing it not out of kindness but out of guilt, okay? And so that's not what, what, kindness is actually a powerful, powerful tool not to be nice to people. Kindness is the fruit of the Spirit that lets you get saved, okay? Romans 2.4 says the kindness of God leads us to repentance, it is the kind, so this fruit in particular leads you to repentance. It is the one that causes you to change your attitude, to change your mind, to ask for forgiveness. Not the guilt. Some of you in here repent out of guilt. You repent out of shame. You repent out of a worldly remorse. But if you fully walked in the spirit of kindness, you would repent because he's good to you. Because he loves you, not because you're guilty. Okay, and that word kindness is this, trestos, okay? So the, the, the word used in Roman there is the Greek word trestos, and it's actually um, uh, the, the, some places in the Bible actually translate that as goodness. So if you're reading it in a different version, it may say the goodness of God leads a man to repentance. But we know that kindness and goodness are both fruits of the Spirit. And when you look at Galatians, it says that the kindness of God is, is trestos, and that the goodness is a different Greek word. Okay, so does that make sense? So any translation that has it as goodness really doesn't make sense. It's the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. So that's what that fruit of the Spirit does. Okay? It's a, it, that's where salvation comes from. So when the goodness of God is operating through an anointed believer, or excuse me, the kindness of God is operating through an anointed believer, it has the power and ability to draw non-believers into salvation. Okay? Does that make sense? Got kindness. Now what about this goodness? What is goodness? I would propose this. Goodness 
is all of the other fruit wrapped into one, activated and lived out. Goodness is God living out the other fruit. It is kindness set to action. It is love set to action. It is peace set to action. It is joy set to action. It is self-control set to action. It is the manifestation of it carried out. Okay, and I'm going I'm to walk that out and you're going to see what I'm talking about. Isaiah 6.3 says this, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. So the Word of God tells us two times that the world, that the, uh, world is full of. It says He's full of His goodness and it's full of His glory. So if His glory is His goodness, when, when Moses asks and says, Show me your glory, and God says, I will show you all my goodness. So if those two things, if the answer to showing his glory is goodness, then that means that they are interchangeable in some aspects. And if that's the case, then that means the whole earth is filled with his what? His goodness. The whole earth is filled with his goodness. So everything he created when he spoke filled up with goodness. And just to be clear here, I want you to understand, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. I realize there are nine, but it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It says it in singularity. There is only one fruit of the Spirit. If that's the case, if it's not plural and it's not singular, might I suggest to you that some of us have this false concept in our life that if we are just living by a few of these fruits that somehow we are arriving at a destination, that somehow we are full of the Spirit and walking according to the Spirit. Some of you may say, well, I got the kindness and the goodness part down. I got joy down. But man, I, that self-control, that one's, I'm still struggling with that one. Anybody, right? You got a few of those down? I would suggest to you that there is a worldly version of each one of those. And that when you walk with the Spirit, when the Spirit of God transforms you and you die to yourself and you are raised with Him and you live for Him, you will manifest singularity, the fruit of the Spirit, and all of them will be activated. Right? I can tell the difference when the Holy Spirit is partnering with me and when He's not because my kindness level goes up. My love for other people goes up. My self-control goes up, right? When I'm on my own, I have thoughts that, are, that I need to work on, okay? But when I'm walking in ministry, when I'm walking with the Spirit and listening to God, all of them become activated. This is why it's necessary for us to press into His presence. That's why it's necessary for us to grow in intimacy with God, is you will never be able to manifest all of these as a spiritual tool, as a supernatural tool. You will just walk in the worldly version of them, and it's not the same. The Greek word has three words for love. One of them is a perfect God love, and the other, one is, the other two are worldly loves. So there are different loves. The love that we're talking about here is agape, perfect love. So you can either choose to walk in the idea of something, right? So you can pound your chest and say, look at me, I love better than other people, right? Do we know any people that acted that way in the Bible? The Pharisees, right? They pounded their chest that they were good people. They did the right thing. So they equated doing the right thing with goodness. Doing the right thing will never give you goodness. Goodness will cause you to do the right thing. 
Are we clear? You cannot do a thing to become righteous. Righteousness swelling up in you from the Spirit will cause you to live righteously. It will cause the things that are plaguing your mind to disappear. Okay. So when you live by the Spirit, it will actually cause a separation. When you are fully surrendered and you are not walking in your own strength, it will cause a separation. Now, what do I mean by this separation? See, a lot of us are under the impression that Jesus came to unify everybody. That Jesus came to bring world peace, right? All you have to do is ask any um, Miss Oklahoma or Miss Universe or Miss World, right? What God's intention is for the earth, right? World peace. We just want world peace. Right? Thank you for world peace. So a lot of us, I think, we believe that that's Jesus' intent. The reason why Jesus came to earth was to bring us world peace. Right? Everyone say that. World peace. I just want to see how many would say it. Uh, okay, some of you are like, no, I'm not saying that. Good, good, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> okay, so listen, listen. Jesus says that when they ask him about this, he actually replies and says, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring the sword. I came to divide mother against brother, brother against sister, mom against son, uh, son right? He said, I'm going to make a division. Now, does that mean he came to stir up strife? No, there's a deeper principle at work here that, he's, that he wants us to get. That when any time that you surrender to God, there's going to be a separation. Okay? He calls us to come out from the world and be what? Separate. We have to come in and be separate. Now, does that mean that we don't partake in anything in the world? Right? We don't have a garden to go back to to be separate. Okay? That doesn't mean we should homestead on someone's land. Okay? And turn into a bunch of kooks. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there has to be something that separates in our spirit. From the way the world lives. There has to be a difference in our love that's different than the world's love. There has to be a difference in our kindness that's different than the world's kindness. There has to be a difference in our goodness. We have to separate from their idea of this worldly goodness that doesn't bring about change. Okay? And I'm going to show you that our God is a God of separation. Let me show you this. And it starts in the very beginning. Genesis 1, 3 through 4 and verse 6 says this. And God said... Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was what? Good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Then he goes on in verse 6 to say this. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. In Genesis 6. So then he goes on in Genesis to separate the land from the sea. And then he separates every animal by its kind. Then he separates man into man and woman, right? The truth is, there's not really a full separation with man and woman. Because God said, I will make them in my image and I will call their name Adam. He actually never called Adam Eve. Or excuse me, uh, God never called Eve Eve. Adam named her Eve. Okay? You guys know that? He called them one. But there was a separation. So there was a, a technically a separation. Uh, that, that's for the revelation tonight. But I want you to understand that God is a God of separation. He made things and separated them. Everything in creation. Everything. Made it, separated it. Light and darkness. Land and sea. 
Vault in the sky, vault down below. Kinds. He separated everything into twos. Not threes, twos. Okay, I want you to understand this. I've talked about this in my science series. That the, Stephen Hawking said that the universe equals zero. That how could something come of nothing? That's what he said. And he said, see, the entire universe is made up of matter. Okay, everything you see and touch and feel, that's matter. And this thing in the world called antimatter, the opposite of matter, where there is negative something. Okay, and that if you take all of the matter in the universe and all the antimatter in the universe and put them together, it goes back to zero. So for you guys that are okay at math, if you have plus four and negative four, that equals zero. So when he took the world, he took nothing and he separated it. And he separated into something and negative nothing. He separated it. There was a separation. And it says when he, when he made these things, he looked at them and said they were good. They were good. So there was goodness in his creation. And the whole earth was filled with his goodness, with his glory. So as he made the earth, he filled it with his presence, with his goodness. But something came along and corrupted what he had created and separated. See, he made man and then he separated man into a garden. So not only in the earth, but he separated him into a garden. And he kept him separate. And this is what it says. It says that there was a tree. And that tree was filled with the knowledge of what? Good and evil. It was the reunification of what was separated in that tree. So God fills his world with goodness. And then he puts evil into this tree. Because he separated it. Do you understand? And he had it there available. All they had to do was choose not to reunify what God had separated and called good. That was something that where evil presided in the goodness of God. And eating that fruit brought a knowledge of good and evil that man was never intended to know. God separated man from evil so that he would only know God's goodness. Amen. That's good, right? Come on, this is a good word, right? I'm teaching, I'm preaching, let's go. Okay? Stay with me. So sin enters the world when man falls. Now that Hebrew word for sin is this one. Chata. Everyone say it with me. Chata. More phlegm, more phlegm. That's how we clear the, the deviated septums from Jewish noses. Okay? That's how we do it. Chata. Okay, that's, that's why those big noses are never phlegmy. Okay? Uh, so that's the word for sin in the Old Testament, the beginning. There are two words for sin. This is the lighter version of sin. Okay, and, and the, more, the, the bigger word for sin is pesha, which is transgressions, right? Is transgressions. And chata can represent like an accidental sin or just walking in disobedience uh, because you made a mistake, right? Whereas uh, the other one, pesha, actually represents like I'm going to be rebellious, Okay. Some of you, when you're thinking about your teenagers right now, you're like, okay, there's Pesha. I get it. That's Pesha right there, right? When they look at you and they go, no, right? And then, you, then, then all of a sudden you realize that you have committed chata because you've slapped them and you're like, oh, I just, you know, reflex, right? Right? Like when you go to the doctor, they hit you in the knee and your, your leg kicks, your kid says no and your arm swings. You're like, what, what is that? I don't know. No, oh my gosh. That's crazy. What was, what was that? Now go do the dishes. No. Ho, ho, ho. Gosh, man, I got to get that looked at right there. 
just weird reflexes. I'm sorry, Lord, for my jeta, okay? Uh, I sinned. I sinned, right? Okay, we just can't, sometimes we can't help those reflexes, right? But Pesha is when we're like, oh, I'm going to beat him, okay? That's premeditated, okay? That's premeditated. That's abuse, okay? <laughs> That's abuse, all right? So, <laughs> don't go home and smack your kids. I'm just making a joke, all right? I don't want, if you're watching online, that is not an indication you're allowed to just swing your arm randomly and blame it on your, your emotional reflexes, okay? It's still sin. So let me show you this. I got a picture here of chata, and it is spelled in the ancient Hebrew with the words het, tet, and alf. Okay? And those are the three symbols, and we've talked about these symbols. We're going through the entire fruit of the Spirit with these symbols. It's amazing, the fruits of the Spirit and what they translate into. So the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the het, and it represents the fence. You remember that? The fence, the divide. The divide. The second letter, Shet, actually represents a basket or a snake. Okay? And it means to separate, to destroy, or to cut off. Okay? To separate. And, uh, excuse me, that's Het. And Tet, the snake, means to ensnare and circle. Okay? And surround. Okay? So the fences separate. The snake is to ensnare to encircle or surround. And it can mean it both in a good way and a bad way. It has both sides to it, all right? And it can mean either. And the third letter is what we learn in alpha, which is alpha and omega, okay? Alpha, the beginning, all right? Which is a, a depiction, the ox, of a strong leader or God. So it symbolized God in this particular context. So let me explain what this means. The snake caused a separation between us and God. Sin is the snake deceiving us into a separation with us and God. The word heta is the snake literally coming in the garden. So when the snake came in the garden and convinced them to eat the fruit, they ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. They had rebelled against God, not because they were rebellious, but because they were deceived, okay? So it was heta, all right? It was a different sin. And the snake had deceived them into separating from God. Do you see that? That's what sin is. Sin is any time you let the enemy deceive you into separating from God. But Pesha is the letters Pe, Sheen, and Ayin. Okay? I don't have a picture for that, but let me tell you what Pe is. Pe is uh, a picture of a mouth, and it means to speak or open. Sheen is a picture of teeth, and it means to press, to consume, or to destroy. And ayin is a picture of an eye, and it means to see, to know, or to experience. To see, to know, or experience. So what the transgression, when you see the word, I have transgressed against God, the rebellious sin, what it means in the ancient Hebrew when they wrote this was this, sin, the definition of sin is anything that destroys our ability to see, know, or experience God. To see, know, or experience his word. Sin separates your ability to hear him. It separates when he walks with you. The children of Israel had a separation. Now, they were not cut off from his voice. But because sin had entered, they actually would withdraw from his voice. 
They were afraid of his presence. They were afraid of his voice. Sin will cause you to live in shame and guilt and separate yourself from him. It is not him separating from you. Understand, God's separation is goodness. It always, every time he causes something to separate, it's out of goodness. God does not separate from you, we separate from him. So pesha, transgressing, is to cause us not to be able to hear his revelatory word. Okay? That's a good, come on, the pastor, that's a good word. That, that frees me up to know that I can't sin because I got to live where I can hear the voice of God. I got to live where I can see his presence. I got to live in his manifested glory. I got to live where miracles happen. And in order to do that, I got to keep myself out of any situation that won't allow me to hear him clearly. I will not dampen myself or pay attention to something else other than who he is. That's where my eyes are going to be fixed on. So sin is anything that destroys our ability to see or know or experience his word. So our separation, the separation that God wants us to go through now is actually a reunifying with God to restore the false separation that happened in the garden. So what happened is this, this come on, Satan has an imitation of everything, right? How do you know something's valuable? How do you know something's valuable? Somebody wants to counterfeit it, right? You see anybody counterfeit a dollar bill? Anybody? Anybody counterfeiting a peso? Right? Nobody counterfeits a dollar bill, right? Nobody counterfeits a $2 bill. They, a lot of people don't believe there's a $2 bill. They think it's counterfeit, but that's dumb, okay? But you'd counterfeit a $100 bill, right? Because it has value. It has value. The way you know something has value is whether it's counterfeit. And there's a counterfeit of everything that God did good. Every goodness of God has a counterfeit by Satan. So Satan saw that God is a God of separation. He likes to separate things. So what did he do? He separated man from the garden and man from God. That's what he did. He came in and caused a separation. So what Jesus is talking about, I'm going to come in and cause a separation. What he's doing is he's saying, I'm going to take you from where you are right now in the world where you were separated in the garden, and I'm going to return you to a status of gardenhood. I'm going to return you to your birthright and your birthplace, and I'm going to cause you to come out of the world and be separate. So in order to be reunified with God, we must come out of the world and be separate. We have to be separated. There has to be a separation to bring unification. Okay? Why? Why? Look, look, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not preaching this morning to hear cheers rising. I'm preaching to hear chains falling. I'm preaching so things will come off you, not where you'll praise me and clap. I'm doing this so that you guys can get free. How many of you guys want some chains off this morning? You are the temple of God. You are the temple of God. Sin corrupts the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The temple of God had specific orders to have it clean and holy and everything in its place so his presence could reside there. And then when they got done decorating the temple, his presence showed up. Sin causes your temple to be unclean and his presence can't fully arrive. So when you live holy, when you separate yourself, what you are saying is, Lord, I'm the temple, come dwell in me. Empower me to live by the spirit and all the fruit of your spirit. Love, joy, and peace. See, God never intended us to know the difference between good and evil. He separated good from evil. He filled the whole earth with his goodness, 
and with his glory, and he separated good from evil. The knowledge of good went into the earth, and evil went into the tree. So we're there, right? We understand that. Everything God separated was for your goodness. See, God never intended you to live in darkness. Our eyes were designed to reflect his light he created. God never intended you to live in the water. We were designed to live on land and breathe air, so he separated the land and the water. Everything separated. One of them is designed for us and one of them is not. God only designed us to live in goodness, not in evil. Right? Think about it, our eyes. God did not design us to live in darkness but in light, so he created our eyes where our eyes cannot see by themselves, but they are only mere reflections of the light shining on it. Your spiritual eyes are just reflections of God's light shining on it, shining off into the world. What you see is a reflection of God's goodness shining on you. The thing he called and said, that's good. And when it reflects on you, you can see. But when the other thing that was separated comes on you, when the darkness comes on you, it blinds you to the truth. Made me start preaching up in here. God did not design you. to live on the parts he separated that were evil. God did not design you to live with negative thoughts. God designed you. Your brain is wired to receive whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is lovely, whatever is good report, right? That's what we talked about, that when you live in an attitude of gratitude and gratefulness, when you live in thanksgiving, your brain responds to it, your heart responds to it, your body lines up to it. When you live under stress, it brings arthritis and disease into your body, high blood pressure. When you live according to the emotions that were brought in the sin of the garden, your body will break down because God only designed you to live separated. He designed you to live under his goodness. The fruit of the Spirit brings health. It brings life. God did not design you so you could think about your problems. Those things will bring evil into your life. They will destroy you. God designed you to think on whatever was holy, whatever is lovely, whatever, whatever is of good report. Those things were designed to build you up, not tear you down. But the thing of the enemy, the false perceptions of the enemy was to give you something, to give you the knowledge of something you are never intended to have because your body can't handle it. There's an opposite spiritual principle for everything. I talked about the fact when God's presence comes on you, your body can't handle it. His glory, you can't handle. And there's probably 50 scriptures about that. About people that when the presence of God came, they were, I mean, they physically couldn't, couldn't stand, couldn't move, couldn't. There was all kinds of, of outpourings of his presence when his presence came. Our bodies were not designed to handle the full weight of his goodness but they were designed to handle his goodness that he placed into the earth in proportion. Do you understand? But our bodies were definitely not designed to handle the knowledge of evil. The knowledge of evil came, and our bodies break down every time we pour into the knowledge of evil. Every time we allow ourselves to walk in that knowledge of evil. When we, our bodies are not designed to live in depression. Our bodies are not designed to live in fear. Our bodies are not designed to live in hatred. Our bodies are not designed to live in unforgiveness. Our bodies are not designed to live under stress. Our bodies are not designed to live under doubt. Our bodies are designed to live in faith, to live in love, to live in hope, to live in peace. 
and kindness and goodness, self-control. When we walk in that, we become the fullness of what God created us to be. When we walk according to the Spirit, and when you let the Spirit take over you, guess what? You may have many troubles, but they won't trouble you anymore. Right? I might have a lot of problems, but worrying about them ain't one of my problems. I might have some issues, but I don't need any tissue for them, okay? Because I am just fine walking in his joy. Because I can tell you one thing, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and again, expecting a different result. And I know that my God has taken care of every situation that I've ever had because I'm still standing. And I'm going to trust him that I'm going to keep on standing. And every time something comes up, it's not going to knock me down. I'm going to keep on standing. Why? Because every other time his goodness showed up and I kept on standing. He has got me through every situation without fail. And guess what? The one situation that I don't get through, I'll be united to him and I'll be with him forever. So you know what? You can't beat me. You can't defeat me. You can't keep me down. My body was not designed for evil. It was not designed for sin. My body was not designed for sin. My body was not designed for hostility. My body was not designed for war. Right? Nation against nation. That's the fall of man. Why do you think our soldiers suffer so much? They come home from war and they're, they're riddled with PTSD. Which, if you suffer from that, Dr. Mike Hutchings is going to come in the springtime. And he has a powerful PTSD ministry and it's going to break, I promise. But our bodies were not designed to live in that environment. And people will say this, if there is a God who is good, why is there so much evil in the world? Because somebody ate the fruit that allowed it in. God had separated it. This world was never intended to be anything else but God's goodness. But when man decided to eat that fruit, the knowledge of evil came in the world and the corruption of man's flesh and spirit came into the world and that allowed evil to enter the world. We made a choice. Huh. I, liked, I liked what I heard. I've seen this go around a few times, right? Someone will say, why is there, you know, if there's a, such a good God, why is there so much evil in the world? Well, if there's so much soap, why are there so many dirty people in the world? You got to use it. You can't just have a God. You got to ask him. You can't just know a God. There can't be just a God if you won't surrender to him and separate yourself from this world. You can't do whatever you want and then expect him to come along and clean up your messes forever. You are not one years old. Man, I am grateful that when I make a mistake, I have a God that's willing to bail me out of it. But you can't just keep living in that forever because you know what? You'll pay for it because that's what sin does. It breaks you down. God is not looking to shame you or guilt you or condemn you. You need to understand this. There's a hell. There's a heaven. There are consequences. But they're not his intent. Sin comes with the natural process of consequence. Our bodies were designed holy. Everything in his word is pushing us towards holiness. But when we choose to walk away, we live according to this world's rules. This world's rules are set up with consequences. His or not. So the consequences we face are of our own design. They're of our own design. We make our own consequences. We make our own hell. Let me put it that way. Right? Some of you know you made some bad choices and you paid for them, right? Who made the choice? 
God, you're just not good to me. He's like, what are you talking about? I told you to go left, you went right, and there you are. Like, what are you? Right? Some of you husbands understand that. You get in your car and your wife tells you which way to turn, you didn't listen. Right? Why do you think the navigation voice was a woman's voice for so long? Right? You didn't listen. And then you wonder why you're lost. Right? But we're so prideful we won't pull over and ask her directions. We'll just keep on being lost. Right? Do we blame her? She told us which way to go. Right? And, and, and depending on your wife, she's like, I told you. Didn't I tell you? I told you. Right? Now we're going to be late. Right? Is it her fault? Do you blame her? What? Because she didn't grab the wheel and yank it on you? How many of you would be frustrated if your wife reached over, grabbed the wheel, and forced you to go the direction she wanted you to go? You, you love her, don't you? You love her with all your heart, don't you, men? Wives, same thing for you, right? You love each other with all of your heart, but you would be frustrated if he grabbed the wheel and forced you. If she grabbed the wheel and forced you. God doesn't force you. He tells you which way to go, and we make our own decisions. So we have to come out and be separate. We have to come out and be separated. God did not come to bring peace into the world. He came to bring his presence back and take us out of the world into heavenly places, into kingdom authority, into living in his world, not ours. Amen. Does that make sense to you this morning? His goodness is in the earth, and he wants you to separate yourself back to it. His kindness will lead you to repentance. And then his goodness will hold you there. His goodness will separate you where you don't need to repent anymore. It is the action of all the other ones rolled up in one. It is in the earth. So when we live according to his glory, to his presence, to his fruit, his singular fruit, it is the glory of God. The fruit of the Spirit is his glory. It is his nature. It is who he is. He does not love you. He is love to you. He is love. It is his very DNA. It is who he is. It's the substance in which he's created. Understand that. And goodness is the action of living those out. You have to walk according to the Spirit. 